This is the Volleyball Coaching Wizards podcast, covering everything coaching. Motivated and inspired by interviews and conversations with some of the world's great volleyball coaches. To learn more about the project, visit VolleyballCoachingWizards.com. Now here are your hosts, John Foreman and Mark Levijou. Welcome to episode 29 of the podcast. And this time we're sharing an oldie bitty goodie in in the grand scheme of the time frame of the Wizards project so far. It goes back to one of the first interviews we did with Vital Heinen, who currently coaches at Friedrichshafen in the top German Bundesliga on the men's side. Uh, and it talks about his view on team selection, the use of substitutions, and generally keeping squad happy in terms of playing time and that sort of thing. So our conversation starts with uh, some of what Vital has to say and then uh, goes on from there. Hope you enjoy. We talk, want to talk about uh, management of, uh, of expectations and uh, some things along those lines. And I wanted to touch specifically on something that you said earlier about uh, sharing playing time and um, that all 12 players are playing and, um, and contributing and feeling like they contribute. Um, how easy is it or how difficult or how do you manage uh, manage that within the group firstly because some people think that they should be playing all the time and then also uh, with management and, and supporters that uh, you may not be putting your um, best team or what they think your best team is uh, out in every match. We're specifically interested in um, how you rotate the players, how you use all the players um, all 12 players and how you manage that specific situation with the with supporters and management who maybe think you aren't uh, always playing the, with the best team? I think you have to manage a problem before it is a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean that to management and, and supporters, like for sure management, you have to explain before how you are and how you work. Yeah, so they know what's the... Now I come back like a, it's my basic starting point. I didn't like coaches in my time who were not using the guys on the bench, mm -hmm. or were giving the guys only a chance when you were two zero and twenty three fifteen behind, mm -hmm. and then telling afterwards I gave you a chance to play. I think you have to be before the problem. So I was before the problem if you explain management that you will work with twelve players who can be about equal, and you mm -hmm. do the same to the players. On the day I ask a player, I always explain. It's, I have no certainty, I have no starting six, I have a group of players, and if you're very good, you play all the games. But if you are like sometimes not super in one aspect, you will not play all the, all the games. If I have a player who's so good that he's the best passer, server, blocker, defender, and so on, there's not so much chance it will change him, only when he's getting tired or to save him for one other reason. Otherwise, he will always play, but for the most, I think... That you will always find that's the same like about my staff principle. From the guys standing on the side, I think you can always find one quality where they are better than one of those seven starting guys. Mm -hmm. If one of the guys on the side, they need it. If they don't have it, you have a problem. Yeah. Yep. So guys on the side need a quality, like for example, a good serve. And then you can ask, change one middle blocker for a serve. Only one ball a game, but the guy on the side knows at least that's my quality. I'm better than the starting seven. Mm -hmm. It can be a serve, it can be a block, it can be a defense, it can be a double change. There's so many aspects where you can think, or it can be coming in on crucial moments, difficult games. There's so many things you can convince a player that he's doing well, 
and that he can help the team. And it makes, in my eyes, it easier to train. You have guys who are motivated. It's one of my goals always. Like, can I keep my whole team, my all my players? Uh, can yep. I, can you keep players happy till the end of the season? Yeah. And that is one of those big challenges. How happy can I keep them? I'm a, I was writing it yesterday. I'm happiness coach. That was a better word for me. Keeping my players happy. I, I find it very important. Like now, I get better and better on this. I can pull them after the last game. I think for my 15 players, 14 were really happy with the yeah. season. Only one guy was. He was also, this one guy was also playing almost nothing the whole season. <laughs> Had a very small role. And that you see that the, the role in the team, what he can do on games, gives players a certain happiness for the team. Mm-hmm. And if they know their role and you can explain them and the guys on the, on the court, it's also that, like I said, it's not so easy. Guys has to be changed. Nobody wants to be changed. Um, yep. It's a process. It's a process where you explain people and hope it's working and yeah, where you, you look for better qualities. That's why you have to, for my house, you also have to scout trainings. I was doing the last years much more scouting the trainers so you can see also every day that somebody is a better defender than another one. And if you can show it every day, people start to understand. I think it's it's about showing explanation and not pushing too hard and but still doing it. I believe everybody get involved in the game. So happiness coach, I like that word. I cannot use that. Um, to keep to, to have this kind of uh, a group feeling being inside the team, um, do you think that it's better for players to play a little bit in every match, even if it's just two or three points, or to play a whole match once a month, for example? I, I, think, I think the first one, you have to have the players every game involved. So I'm the guy, I don't know how many changes you have, six six in a set, and if you have five games, 30, I will be over 20 for sure in a game always. And so I, I, I use my players a lot, even only for one ball or two balls to play, so that, yeah, that, that they are getting used to, to have playing time, like that if it's coming to a crucial game, they are prepared to play this one ball. Mm-hmm. Like this year in Poland, the, the competition was very tough, so I, I think I was starting like 80% of the games with the same starting team. And there were guys who were playing really 95%. That was a lot for me. But still, mm-hmm. all the guys were playing. Yeah. All the guys were feeling that they were sometimes doing something for the team. Yeah, It's not easy to explain to a player you're doing something for the team if you train good. It's also true. It's complete. I agree with coaches who tell this. It's completely true if you have a good training. But everybody wants this spotlight, I think, to be somewhere, some moment in the spotlight. Yeah, and that I give them then. This is a, a really interesting question, and it comes up, uh, obviously it comes up a lot in juniors, and it's the the basis of having a million substitutions in every set, um, but it's an issue at every level because the, uh, you need to have players who are who are engaged in the in the process in practice in the team different in the life of the team and the best way to engage people is uh is by rewarding them with playing time and and how you do that is a is always a is a tricky situation because the um uh, different requirements of the situation the imperatives to win and so on uh do 
restrict the possibilities uh, sometimes, or at least the pressure the coach feels to win, which is slightly different. Um, and he, Vitar's way of, uh, of organising that is a is really interesting, and it was a, a question that I was eager to ask him because it's something that that he did very well, does very well. Okay, yeah, it's, it, I I found interesting his as he's done. If if anybody's listened to other parts of his interview interview where he talks about the development of his coaching style, coming from. <laughs> basically trying to do the opposite of what coaches before him when he was a player had done. And in this yep. case, he specifically mentions, or at least implies that when he was a player, he thought more people should get more playing time than they actually did. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that, that you can kind of look at it from a player's perspective. And, and I've got you know, a recent example that kind of speaks to it. Um, in that the the women's soccer team here at Midwestern State played mm-hmm. their last regular season match, uh, I think it was on Sunday. Yep. And it was 2-2, very late, and they earned a penalty kick. And yep. the, the player who normally takes them for the team deferred in favor of a player who was a senior who would never scored a goal in her whole college soccer career yep. and, and let her take the penalty to give her a chance to score a goal. Now, <laughs> that's, to say that was probably not a call the coach would make, <laughs> uh, the coach is probably thinking, hey, let's, you know, let's put my best penalty taker up there and let's get a win here. Yeah. Um, but players do sometimes have different perspectives on things. And, and, and you can even see it when a, a player who doesn't get a lot of playing time gets a chance and gets out there and the whole bench gets really excited for them and you know even mm-hmm. more so if they happen to make a play you know in whatever their specialty is so yep. so you, you can see the, the the value from from Vital's perspective from that playing that player's perspective and and I kind of liked how he talked about being a fun coach yeah as, a, as an, a coach of fun not not that he himself is fun although that may be the case too. Uh, and I think happiness coach was another word that he used. Right. And he's actually used that one in interviews um, that maybe even after they won the bronze medal at the World Championships, uh, he said in an interview that the goal of, of his work was to make people happy and and uh, he was really happy that he was able to make a lot of people happy. <laughs> World Championships, which... Um, is a is a wonderful sentiment, and this the uh, cynic that that lies just beneath the surface of my happy-go-lucky nature um, wonders if he means that literally. But uh, but regardless of that, it's a uh, it's a great way to go about your work, of course. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to the whole idea of of squat usage and, and stuff like that, there's there's clearly a spectrum here. And you've got, on the one end, coaches like Russ Rose, whose basic philosophy is you earn playing time based on practice. I don't share it around. He's, he's pretty famous. Even when he's playing first-round NCAA tournament matches against teams that have no chance against his squad, he plays his starters. And he yeah. doesn't really substitute. He just goes with the team that, to, in his mind, has earned their spots on the floor. And that's it. If you haven't 
manage to do that in practice, then you know, work harder, be better, whatever the case may be. And then obviously, you know, Vitel is, is on the other end of that spectrum, or at least toward the other end of that spectrum in terms of trying to get people in. Uh, Russ has one of my favorite quotes of all time about that, on that topic. And he says he often gets asked why he doesn't give uh, players a chance. And he said that's you know, something along the lines of that's ridiculous. They have a chance every day in practice. And the game is not a is is not a present. It's not a gift, but you know, the the point, the really strong point was that they have a chance every day to prove that they should be playing. Right. From a and slightly different I, I, I really like that idea because because I, I hear a lot that um, that players need to have a chance to play, and regardless of, of their level, regardless of their um, their practice performance, if they deserve it. And my argument is is often that if you give something somebody without deserving it, they they don't appreciate it. They they have the feedback that they don't have to be really good to play. Uh, they don't have to fight for a position and and so they they continue with the way that they they go. And that's given me some conflict with uh, with with at least one club that I work with, for example. Yeah. Well, and that begs the question about juniors teams, where at least in the states, and I can't speak to to other places, but in the states, the squads are generally kept relatively small, as mm-hmm. in nine or ten, maybe. Yeah. Which means the majority of the people on the team are going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, there's a couple parts of it. And, and one is the coaches naturally don't want to have to deal with the complexities of large squads and sharing playing time around and dealing with the parents who, of the kids who don't get to play and all that. And of course, from a, from a, a sanity perspective, you can totally see where they're coming at. But to your point, it also means that. You know, maybe there's going to have to be playing time that isn't necessarily earned because you only have so many people in one position. And sometimes that's all the people that go on the court. You have two middles, okay. Both middles are playing. Uh, yeah, I'd actually think of it more as the if you had 12 in your squad and you, you played numbers 11 and 12 just, just to give them a run as the unearned... Um, as the unearned part, uh, you know how you choose your team. I, I imagine you have some sort of quality basis, so you earn your spot on the team, so to speak. So even if you only have two middles, uh, I I might look at it a little bit more that way. But but uh, well, another yeah, go on. No, I was going to say one of the things that that I talked about with uh, Mike Lingenfelter. Um, because he does do juniors a lot, is the idea that, yes, there's a selection process at the beginning of the, of the season, mm-hmm. but the quality of the player can change, especially relative to other players, as the season goes along. Yes, uh, definitely. And and it can actually be dramatic enough that a player who was selected for the first team probably halfway through the season should be dropped down to the second team because that's the level of play that they're at. But it, yep. doesn't, it doesn't usually happen that way. 
there's yep. too many issues involved with, with doing that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's more of what I was getting at with that kind of comment, where when you have a limited number of players and everybody's going to have to play one way or another, then you know there's there is no incentive there is no incentive to necessarily put as much into to the training effort and the demonstration of quality there as there might be yep. when you're 12 deep and only six are on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. One, a bit of rises in there, one really important point, I think, that um, is applicable not just to this topic. And uh, he says... Uh, that it's important to stop problems before they become problems right. or something along those lines. And, yeah, manage and, problems uh, before they become problems. Yes. And I think that's a, uh, that's a really important issue. So the first one he, he mentioned was about management. So before you, before you begin working, you have to explain to, or before you accept the job, you have to explain to management the way that you work so that they don't have any surprises uh, we often uh, think about things sort of more the other way around but um, you know it, taking a job is works in both ways both parties have to be comfortable with the the way the other one is working and uh, I know that Vital how he's managed his uh, his career he's always been upfront and with how he works uh, and has not taken jobs or not been offered jobs because of it. Uh, so I think that that part's really important with the the managing the expectations of the of the club of the organisation. Yeah, for sure. And, and of course, the other thing. Uh, go on on that no, point. I was, no, I was going to say that it just makes it makes a big difference in the squad if they know in advance how things are going to run, rather than trying to have to guess what coach is thinking. Yeah, I was going to go on with uh, yeah being upfront and open with the team on on how how it works. So you know to say I don't have a starting six that everybody from week to week has the uh, the opportunity to prove themselves um, again, not not uh, not just to have a fixed starting lineup at the start of the season and and then go through. I think that's a, a really important point. I think. Uh, as far as I I know, the the, the reality of how uh, Vita works is is that when he's selecting his team, he he deliberately also tries to put together a team that is of a similar quality from top to bottom. So it's also part of how he puts his team together. So how he manages his budget too. Right. So he wouldn't try to bring in a couple of superstars knowing that he'd be kind of forced at the bottom of the roster to not be as strong? Um, the national team is a different situation because the nat- national team you don't really have your choice of players for the most part. Uh, but with a club team he's never been a guy that's worked with uh, stars. He's put together um you know, younger players, uh, sort of, I don't want to say medium-level players, but but not expensive players and uh, and had often had a, a squad that was of a, of a very good quality from, from top to bottom. And 
and that also is one thing that allowed him to work in that way. Yeah, I would think that it would make a lot of things easier because, well, easier in one, in one regard and maybe not as easy in another regard because obviously if you have a couple of, of studs in your team that you know are going to be on the starting lineup all the time barring you know injury or whatever, then that's that can certainly make the lineup choices a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> whereas if you've got 12 guys of roughly similar caliber that you know your lineup could change from week to week, it does, as they say, it makes the manager's job a bit tougher, but that's kind of what the players are supposed to do. It's one of the strange things that I, I've been working for a while now, and it's somewhere in the middle of last season, I worked out that the thing that creates the most stress for me in my work is not the practice or the... Um, or working with the management or or the games or preparation but the thing that actually creates the most stress for me is choosing the starting lineup every week oh, and knowing, and, and or making substitutions that, during a match i would imagine uh less the substitutions because often that's clear or not clear so um that's that's a little bit of it in some circumstances in in berlin for example where um we weren't always um in danger of losing so i would make be making substitutions just based on playing time rather than trying to win the the game mm -hmm. um, that that created some stress along the same lines but but if you have a a well-functioning group of players who are of a good quality from top to bottom then at some point you have to put a worthy player on the bench for a match someone who's playing well who's practiced well who's a good guy um but you just make a a choice for the other guy right so okay let's bring back the idea of Developing players by getting them playing time, you know, kind of counter yeah. counter to, to Russ Rose. What do you see as the, or I should let me restate that. Is there, to your mind, whether you're agreeing with disagreeing with Russ, is there a value to getting a younger player, a less experienced player, into matches from time to time to get them on the court in a. In a, in a situation where they're not playing against their t their own teammates in training? I think that it's important that they have some taste of the action, so to speak, if you want to talk like a journalist, that they have some opportunities to, to make some actions in the, in the pressure situation with the crowd, with the scoreboard, with the opponents. Um, Etc. Uh, Etc. Et and and for for the youngest guys, I think that's I think that's important to find some moments to do that. For the older guys, um, sort of the middle of the group, maybe I don't think that it's as important to give them uh, those kind of those few rallies. For example, I I don't think that it necessarily. Um, it doesn't necessarily help them in the the broader scheme. Well, presumably uh, it, they've had that experience already, right? 
Well, yes. I mean, for them, it's not a question of of giving them experience. It's a question of uh, of involvement, I guess. And and the last question that I asked Vital about you're playing whole matches every now and again, rather or playing a few points every match was uh, because. I asked that question specifically because I mostly manage that situation by by rotating the starting lineup by um, not exactly picking four weeks in advance four different starting lineups, but along those lines with the thinking that um, playing a whole match was better for a guy's form, was better for his uh, confidence. Um, uh, so I. I have tended to, to work like that. Okay, obviously when you were at Berlin, you had opportunities to do that because of the imbalance in the competitive landscape. Um, mm-hmm. Are you still able to do that in Poland? Well, influenced by uh, people such as Vital in his interview, <laughs> um, uh, I, I've gone a little bit back in the, the other direction. so. A few points is maybe um, a few points in every match is maybe more valuable than the uh, than the whole match every now and again. And our competitive situation is a little bit different. That I don't really have the opportunity to to rotate the squad because every match is is uh, of a high level, and every match we have a chance to win and lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Similar here at Midwestern, and I imagine a lot of colleges would think kind of the same thing, where you know, you're trying to balance that. You don't want to get the young players in and get them some, some playing time at different points, uh, especially the ones that you project to someday be starters. Yeah. And, and it's tough to do in conference play when you're not the dominant team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, we can schedule non-conference matches so where we yeah. where we can you know play with different things in terms of the roster and the lineups and and even sometimes strategy and, and whatnot. Although you're mm-hmm. always you're always balancing that against other considerations as well, um, be it rankings, you know, RPI, or just the desire to you know pick up a win if you've maybe gone through a bit of a tough patch, which is yep. something we've definitely experienced uh, with this team this year. Um, mm-hmm. So it is. And I and I definitely appreciate what you're saying in terms of the the biggest stress in the job being that game day selection. You know, yeah, it, it's 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 it, there's so many unknowns to it. Obviously, like we said, if there are certain guys that are just that are just better than everybody else on the team, that that's easy. But then you've got all the rest where on any given day, you know, if if it's fairly close, one guy could have a really good day or the matchup just happens to work out in a funny way on that particular yep. that particular day and some of them it's just completely inexplicable <laughs> I, I i remember when i was coaching at brown we played columbia one year and we put in our third or fourth string middle who was undersized probably really shouldn't have been a middle in the grand scheme of things and for some reason they just could not stop her she scored just about every single time she touched the ball, and, yep. which is something she never did in any other match that we played. 
it was just happening to be that one day against that one team. And I, all right, there's the volleyball gods are smiling on you, I guess, on that occasion. <laughs> uh, that's a completely different topic, but but one thing that I've found uh, over the years is that even against better teams, or maybe especially against better teams, by playing with a guy that you're not used, you don't normally play with, um, you you actually get a, a a really positive effect because good teams are good are teams that prepare and scout and have plans, and uh, teams that have that scout and prepare and have plans. Uh, are sometimes by definition not as flexible as other teams mm-hmm. uh, and so you know making that late change can um, can or late change or unexpected change can sometimes have extra extra effects well and I, I remember last year when I was coaching at Svetola there was a team that was second from bottom in the league and we went up to play them at their place and yep. we won pretty sure we won in three maybe it was we won in four or whatever but i remember talking with the team afterwards and they, they were just all of them were saying it's so hard to play this team because they're not predictable you don't mm-hmm. know when the ball's coming over where it's coming over because their yep. level was just that much lower and when you play the better teams you know what they're going to do i mean you've talked about it in terms of scouting men's teams where you know yep. 80 or 90 percent of what everybody's going to do um, against a team that's of a lesser quality, <laughs> there's a, a much bigger random factor, and yep. and so the players are just they're not used to it. So it becomes, and I think it's probably a good experience for them because it makes them focus that much more, um, you know, and have to, to have to be responsible for you know more things. But it is it is funny to watch them struggle with it. Like okay, you know that team's not not good over there, and you should crush them, but <laughs> you're floundering here. Come on. Get it figured yeah. out. <laughs> uh, Alright, um, we're running down on time. Any final thoughts from Vito? Uh, oh, just to, to bring it all back that um, how you manage those situations is, is really important. Um, managing the problem before it becomes a problem, so uh, being being open, being upfront with the with the management uh, if the situation arises with the parents, with the with the team as well, and then he doesn't mention it, but uh, obviously once you are upfront and open, then you have to follow through on on your words. And um, if you do all of those things, you can have a a really well functioning team that reaches its its uh, best possibilities and um, create the the fewest problems for yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, and yep. make everyone happy. Of course. Of course. Okay. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and more, visit volleyballcoachingwizards.com backslash podcast. Got an idea for a future episode or want to ask a question? Send an email to podcast at volleyballcoachingwizards.com.